if you have your Bibles and want to turn, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 4. We're working our way through this letter Paul wrote to a church he wasn't that excited about in some senses, and it's really good for us to see. And so chapter 4, and we, I hope we can get through the whole chapter today. I love making sure that you see that the message of Scripture is contextual. It's, it's not one verse and you go off on what it might mean, but to feel the flow and to understand what's actually happening in the Word of God. And so this, really important for you, you got to get this. Salvation is power at work in weakness. Power at work in weakness. You know what that means. You are weak. <laughs> That's what it means, right? I mean, the, the, the power of Christ shows itself in the spoken word of faith in the face of opposite appearances. That's a quote from the commentary that I like to look at. And so, so we, we, we walked through that a little bit because last week we thought about the old covenant and the, the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation, Moses and his shining glory that you could see, but, but it's veiled and, and eventually that it's gone the letter is death. And then the new covenant, Jesus looking like nothing and he dies suffering and, and yet there's more glory there that you can't even see. It's the spirit and it's life. This is uh, words you kind of can immediately almost, at least you're in my circles, immediately you start to say, well, I'm kind of checking out. You know, what does it really mean? No, no, no. I want you to see what it means for daily living today. A freedom of trusting this incredible God who, who has given you the very best gift you could ever have himself forever. So life is just living this out freely, not needing to climb, just living and trusting, not expecting others to be better and stronger, but extending forgiveness and life because you've been given this amazing gift of that very life yourself. This is Christian community, right? But, but, it, but it fights against the world because the world's so different. The, the tough part really is that it doesn't look this way. My eyes deceive me. I, <laughs> I'm a Christian. I've got Jesus with me, and he knows i got to get to church. So I get up this morning, and I try open my little bag of cereal. I have cereal, cold cereal for breakfast a lot, and I'm sitting there. Gonna, the, the dotted line says rip here, so I rip in it there, and it rips straight down. Cereal went everywhere. Like, Lord, I got to get to church. You know that. What's going on? And that's like a silly example of things that happen every single day in every way about nothing goes like it should go. Can I get it more together? Couldn't I use the scissors? Yeah, I should have, right? But it just seems like my life doesn't go exactly like I want it to. Such is the shining of God's light. First into you, then out of you. So we're going to talk about shining and what it means for you, because this is where Paul's going about his ministry and what it means for light to be shining into him and then for light to be shining out of him. So that's what we're going to do. First, it's in. Light shining into you. What is it? What's the actual message that you want to make sure you're living your life by, the reality that we have? So that's chapter 4 of Second Corinthians, and we're going to dive in. Here it goes, verse 1. Paul writes, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. 
So Paul is saying, therefore, having talked about this spirit inside that's life versus the outside covenant that things looking like that's the way it should go of Moses, the old covenant being a ministry of death. And he's going to keep down this line. But that's the therefore. But really what he's speaking of, right, is his ministry. He's Paul the apostle. He's like our apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles. And so he's ours. And, and, and there he's been given this ministry by God. Okay, stop and think about that for a minute with me. Paul. What do you know about Paul? Here, here's what I know. He actively was seeking to kill Christians, Right? He was the guy. He was like, we got to stamp these people out. He was out there getting them. And he didn't have this epiphany of, oh, you know what? I think what I'm doing is really wrong. I think I should stop that because it's not a very nice thing to do to people. No, God like struck him. God showed up and blinded him and, 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 and started talking directly with him in the midst of his sin. Here comes God intervening, right? So he says, having this mercy, this ministry by the mercy of God. It's literally that, right? God's mercy that he grabbed Paul in the midst of that. Yeah, just a gift. That, that's what gives us hope, friends. Right? Is that his mercy, because we're unworthy and we've been given this huge gift and we, we know, I know with all my heart that God is for me and he's for you. This is the message of the Bible. Jesus Christ died for you. We didn't deserve it. So that's what the world needs, right? If I was going to say, hey, what does the world need to know? They need to know about the mercy of God for them. They need to know what's happened to us, this mercy. That means I'm not trying to make myself or ourselves wrongly imply, right, that Christians are better, stronger, more moral. You know what? Follow us because... Because this is the best, strongest way to live. That may or may not be true, but I'll tell you what. It's not the message. Right? I mean, the message is God's mercy broke into my sin. Look what he's done. He's amazing. Look what God did. We're saved by grace. So that's what Paul is after. Look what he says. He says, verse 2, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So, so he's not going to be underhanded. He's going to make sure you know that we crazy sinners have been saved by grace. That's the idea. The idea is we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience instead of hiding that we're sinners. We speak openly of God's mercy and forgiveness. He gives sight to the blind. And you know what? That's me. I'm the blind. He, he heals the leper. I'm the leper. Again, I'm not saying, look, Oh, person who needs, I'm strong and great. And if you trust Jesus, you can be strong and great too. So I get so angry at people who basically their message is your best life now. And they mean, boy, if you obey God, you're going to be strong. What's salvation again? Power in weakness. It's called forgiveness. I got forgiveness. What do you got? Well, I've got great moral living. No, you don't. You're hiding away your sin. The ways that you're not perfect, you're just not telling me. I get it. But you start building the mask and building the outside. He says, I'm not going to be an underhanded like that, says Paul. I'm going to tell you the true stuff. What's the true stuff? I'm a sinner and I got forgiveness. I got it given to me. 
That's what he's after, right? So Paul says, hey, hey, look, I've got a cleansed conscience. I am guilt-free. Why? Because my sins have been forgiven by Jesus. I'm that bad, y'all. And I commend myself to your conscience because the message is that Jesus' work for me is that good. It is, huh? As our Savior, that's why, we're, that's why we sing songs. That's why we worship because Jesus actually died on the cross. He, he said it's finished and it worked. Okay, if instead you think it's something else, you aren't seeing. If you're headed back to Moses, law-keeping towards obedience to get the blessing of God, the, 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 the truth is veiled to you, says Paul. That's the language he uses. He says, and I, even if our gospel is veiled, gospel, right? Good news. Jesus for you. What Jesus has done is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Oh, sweet words. This is the light shining in, right? This is the end. The light of what? The glory the gospel of the glory of Christ. This is the truth, right? This is the light. This is the shining. Jesus, he is the good news. He has the glory. He is the image of God. You know, we talk a lot about, well, I just want to be in the image of God. I want to be more like Jesus. And, and wait a minute, the whole point and how he writes it is really interesting. The good news of what? The glory of Christ. What did that look like? I mean, I know a little bit, and we know, you know, the heavens opened up and the dove came down. We know Mount Transfiguration happened. But Jesus, what he looked like was a criminal. What he looked like was going to death for um, heresy of going against the government. What he looked like was getting spit on and, and, and the crown of thorns on his head and his back like hamburger because he'd been whipped so hard. He didn't look glorious. But we know the good news. Looks are deceiving and the message is jesus died for us this is the glory. he's he's the image of god he's the good news he's got the glory and and so we have this holy spirit we have his holy spirit that he sent for us the light is the truth that we're sinners and he's not that he's taken all of our sin on himself that's what we proclaim, not our own good works and increasing greatness, but Jesus alone. Because that's what Paul says. He says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. Get it? Not you. Not you with the little help of God. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Man, I'll serve you. In fact, you should be stronger. Slaves. I know that's not a great word in this our culture, but that's the word there. It says, I'm a slave. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He just hammers the light coming in. What is the light again? It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus. Think through that with me for a minute. Because that light shines out of darkness. It shines into our hearts. It's shining into us. Is this knowledge. And what is it? Like some awesome, amazing, shining glory. No, not your glory. 
the face of Jesus. He does that very particularly because he's been talking about the face of Moses shining and how it had to be veiled. And now we've got Jesus and it never has to be veiled. But it doesn't shine. It doesn't look like anything. I can't see the glow. That's the whole deal. It's a direct contrast shining but veiled that Moses had. This face doesn't appear to be shining, but it's unveiled, and you see directly into the seeming suffering and seeming bloody, torn forehead and tears of Gethsemane and death for you that's actually our salvation. Look what God did. He loved you. And he does still. How can you not stand amazed? How can you? This is the truth. It's not some tale. This is the news the world needs to hear. Your sin and his goodness. Your forgiveness and his love for you. You and you and you, all of us, right? We're community around this truth. This is the truth that binds us together, that makes us a church, is that we stand on the truth that Jesus Christ is everything and we're nothing. This is the message, the light we not just receive, because it is the light we're looking at. So it's the light image, you know, I, I, I get seen, I have the light shining on me, even right here, it's so bright, I, I want to look at it, but, but it is a, a, a truth that I can barely even grasp. It's so amazing that God became a human being and died for me, and then that he loves me, and that gets into my heart, and when it does, that's the message I want to shine out. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute, because that's what Paul does. How does it shine out? And this gets really important because I know how I think I should shine out. I've got my ideas of how it should shine out. It should shine out. If it were up to me, it would shine out by there being a palpable difference for a Christian. If I saw you, man, you prayed and you get healed. You start loving and and people see the wondrous love that's so different than the world that comes out of you. Man, when you pray and things things go, you sail in smoothness. Why? Because God is in you. I've got the Holy Spirit and so do you, right? So if something's walking down there, shouldn't everything kind of go okay? I, I wouldn't have kids that rebel. I wouldn't have a marriage that struggles. I wouldn't have any of that stuff. I would have smooth sailing because God's got me and I'm just kidding. And I'm gonna tell the world, man, be like this. So that's why this is actually super surprising. Because what does he say? Verse 7, but we have this treasure. Yeah, it's a treasure. In jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Okay, now I am a child of the 90s, which ruined this verse for me. We got this treasure in jars of clay, and I want to start. But that's not what it is. It's not jars of clay, the rock band. It's not alternative music. It's not Christian music. It's, it's, it's amazing truth, right? It's an incredible thing. Paul gets real. He wants to make sure you know, don't be surprised. What do you mean not surprised? Don't be surprised. When your life doesn't go swimmingly, the treasure is Christ for you, unworthy as you are for all of us. And the way that it's shown is by having this incredible treasure in these clay pots. 
right? Ones that break, ones that are used for mundane things, things you would use it for a urinal. You would use it to store stuff, and then it would get broken, and after it gets broken, you know what you do? You throw it away. Later on, when they do remains, they find all these little shards. What are they shards of? Clay pots. It's not valuable. Right? That, that, that doesn't seem very glamorous at all. It's, it's really interesting because if you listen to Christian radio or if you read Christian self-help, you'd really think that the whole goal of Christianity is to make you into a golden urn. Here, it's a golden urn. With a, and they, you know. No, Paul says, we are broken pottery. Light shines, light that shines. How does it get out from in there? You know, you break holes in it. It kind of starts to shatter and break and wear away, and it's not doing so well. And then what's coming out is this light. This, what's the light? The light of the treasure of the glory of God shining through you. It's the message of Jesus shining through you as you don't do fabulously. The glory is in the gospel, the good news, not in some sort of old school personal transformation to golden clay pots. It's not increasing awesome love. It's not fabulous obedience, you personally, that we could bring you up and say, you know what, we got three gold stars for Junior because he's done so fabulously. No, no, no. The idea is the opposite, right? Like Junior's nothing, but he has something about his, keeps talking about that. That's interesting. That, that's the idea. I, you know, it's, it's even what happens to you is I start to think I'm God's kid. I had this day yesterday where, oh, my, my, my mom, so good to her grandkids. She gave me a little money to get a car. So we go get this little car for my kid. And we get it. We looked all around, find this really fun little car. And so we, we took it home, drove it six miles, parked it outside our house. And then it didn't start again. It just sat there. Well, I spent all afternoon just trying to figure out stupidly and without success how to make it actually start. Now, I'm not a mechanic, and someone's going to say, well, Dax, that's our thing, right? Let's help you fix it, Dax. I'll help you fix it. I'll come. That's not the point. The point is I had to call the, the, the car guy and say, you know what? Your car won't work and get him to figure out when they're going to take it back. So I, I can't come back tomorrow because I'm in church. Because I'm the pastor. Oh, you're in church. What this whole neat interaction with someone around church? Jesus. In the midst of what? I can't get this thing figured out how to work it. I'm so stupid. Like, like it has a key, but how did you, what, what, what's going on? I should be able to figure this out. I should, I should, I should. There's got to be a way. And I'm reading manuals. I'm looking at YouTube. And I'm looking at all this stuff. And it doesn't work. And oh, man. No, wait a second. No, wait. The whole point is that God's in charge of my life and he's not making it go swimming. He could, Lord, doesn't need a key. He could just have the car start. He could poof and it could just go. Instead, it doesn't happen and I'm struggling and it's not going how I want to. But in the midst of that, there's this cool little tiny interaction that God does. He did it. I had to call the guy. I didn't want to. I was forced to. I wasn't going, well, you know what I should do is I should witness. I should call him up and tell him all about Jesus. No, I wanted to tow my car. I wanted to fix something for me because he's got to, because God put me in a situation where I had to do that or the car's not going to work. And I am so glad my daughter's my daughter for the car. It's not here today. She doesn't even know it doesn't work yet. 
we'll see if she listens to the sermon. (laughs) That being said, in the midst of our not rightness comes this amazing act of God because it's about him. It's not about us, right? That's that we, we get instead. So we get this stuff and he lists it out. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Okay, pause for a minute. These are familiar words, sometimes too familiar. We start to say, well, we're little good people and these bad things happen to us. That's not really the flavor of this for Paul. Paul's like, you're cracked. You're a jar of clay. And these things happen to you, but what comes out is this hope that doesn't disappoint. Right? So, so this idea of afflicted, every way but not crushed, that means you know when you're when your mom dies of cancer, when your marriage is difficult instead of supportive, when you don't get the job, when you you fail again at being kind to your friends, when you don't get what seems fair and reasonable, when you don't meet your own standards. That's affliction, right? But it doesn't crush you. Why? Because the message isn't about you doing better. The message is about Jesus adores you and he died for you. Right, so, so that's why I'm not crushed. Perplexed, it means confused, right? Not understanding this world is treating you as it is, why you aren't improving and climbing up to God. But that doesn't lead to despair. Why not? Because the glory shining in you is Christ loves you. I didn't get that from looking at my circumstances. I got that from the word. Proclaim to you from a preacher. Jesus Christ adores you and he died for you and it worked. That says nothing about how your life's going to go on earth. In fact, it's going to go hard. Why? Because you're a clay pot. The goal is heaven. You're going to be with him forever. He's going to use you. It's going to be fabulous. You're going to get to heaven. And I don't know everyone's circumstances, but I guarantee you, because I believe this word, that Jesus Christ is using you right now where you are. So, but I don't really uh, do much evangelism. You cannot hide the light that's within you. We'll see that by the end. Okay, but, but, but this is the idea. I can be perplexed. I don't have to understand it. I'm going to be like, yes, I totally get all the gospel connections in my life. No, you don't. I don't either. But it's happening, he says. It's amazing. Persecuted. Sure, I mean, look at the world right now. We're mocked for not buying into the culture of success and improvement. Right? The world accuses, but we're not forsaken because we have the truth of the word proclaimed, which is Christ for us. But also persecution means you have God in you. This is the, the word of God says that Christ is in you. He, he, he is. That, that's a mystery thing. You know, Ephesians 5 is talking about when it says, man, it's talking about marriage and it's guy and a gal, but I'm telling you this great mystery I hardly even understand is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So I don't get that, but it's true, right? Christ in me. I'm talking about Jesus in the church, says Paul. And yet, in my estimation, that's the problem. It doesn't seem like he's particularly treating his church that well. Okay, I'm waiting for the thunderbolt. Honestly, I'm just talking about my wrong thinking. I'm not talking about reality. Reality is he adores us. I know it. I know it in my heart. But I look at your life and I look at my life and I look at our lives and I look at how they don't go as they ought to. And yet you come and you, you hear and you take communion and we are Christians and God has us and yet life doesn't go exactly right. So, well, what is that? Well, part of that's persecution. 
It's not just because you aren't waving a sign or you're getting persecuted because you're waving a sign at the corner of Cornwall and Holly or something. It's everything about your life where people don't treat you as a child of God because you are. I know you are. Struck down, yeah, seemingly, right? Death comes even. And those who don't understand could cry, where is your God? But we are not destroyed because we are undestroyable. We will be resurrected. Oh, amen. Death holds no fear for you and me. And yet we have jars of clay. We start to be afraid because we don't know the future. So there's this peace going on where it's not about us. It's about the strength of the promise. And that's what Paul's getting at. He's always caring about in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. To explain more, he says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. See, our holding on to the truth means we die, not that we live. Why? Because our hope is in resurrection. But even in our death, people start to see this meaning of, wow, he hoped in something. He he steadily proclaimed. She steadily proclaimed. She held on to this hope, what? That Jesus Christ is the message, that he did it and it's finished, that, uh, that, that we're forgiven and that we'll be with him forever. And therefore, that births life in you person that sees you sees you dying even sees you not buying into this world in the way that the world wants us to amazing and he says since we have this same spirit of faith according to what's been written i believed and so i spoke we also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised jesus from the who who raised the lord jesus will raise us also with jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Amazing. And, and for it's all for your sake, he says, so that his grace extends to more and more people and may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. <laughs> That's it, right? It's not about us getting better and stronger. That's what he's saying. It's the message that we trust in being simply and truthfully proclaimed. The mark of trust is in thanksgiving because he's done it, not us. He gives you the greatest gift you could ever have. It's fabulous. Given to you. <laughs> like Christmas morning. I maybe you had a crummy Christmas. And people think, this is the best Christmas morning you'd ever have. You open it up and it's salvation and full forgiveness of all the sin you're ever going to have. And this is, well, but, but I, I, I don't want that. What I really want is uh, a strong life and people to say I was awesome. No, you don't want that. That doesn't end well. What ends fantastically is God for you. That's the message. That's it. That's why we don't lose heart. And in not losing heart, this is the shining out that we do. This is important. The shining out that we do is not losing heart. Because now I'm telling you that the, how Christianity works is your life doesn't go like you think it should. You aren't as good as you ought to be. You aren't as strong as you think you should be. You're not as successful as you think you might be. Or, and, and you start to say, wow, maybe God isn't really for me. Maybe I don't have the right formula. I haven't done the right five steps. I haven't gone to church enough. Whatever you start to think about along those lines. No, that's not the way. Here's the way. I don't lose heart. Why not? Because the gospel's true. 
It's all Jesus. Do you know I've got a great message for you? Your sin is great and your Savior's greater. He died on the cross. God died so you would live. And that's why he says we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. I can see whether you're doing well. I can see whether you're successful. I can even see whether you're moral in your activities and ethical behavior. I can see what I can't I see. I can't see what Jesus has done for you. I have to hear it by faith. Unseen for the things that are seen are, 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 are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's how he ends this thought, right? That's the end of the chapter of seen and unseen. And back to the glory of Moses, seen but ending. Boy, glorious Moses was. He shone, and then they got to cup the veil. And you know that Moses, he didn't even get into the promised land. And that's a sign from God. The law doesn't get in. And, and then over here is the eternal unseen, the glory of Jesus. He didn't look like much, you guys, but he was God incarnate, and he died for you. So so it's not that you can't desire to have things go well and to have success and to have a life where your kids succeed and your marriage is blessed and your life looks for all intents and purposes like a blessed and strong life. That's normal. It's just that this isn't the message. Right? It's it's not the word. It's not the glory. The light that you shine out is, is the incredible message of what Jesus has done for you and he loves you in your weakness. He takes the least and the little and the lost. That's me and that's you and that's us. And, and, and he embraces and he saves and redeems him for us, right? This message is unstoppable. This message makes you a city on a hill that cannot be hidden because there is no circumstance in which you cannot proclaim this truth. No sin, no hurdle, no affliction, no persecution, nothing, because nothing keeps you from the love of God in Christ. And that's why Jesus says, I think he says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Because if you get this message, what's going to naysay it? Well, you know, you say that, but you're a hypocrite. Of course I'm a hypocrite. I and my flesh want all sorts of stuff that God says, no, well, your only hope is Jesus. And I struggle with this too, brother, that it's only Christ, you know. I want it to be Christ plus Dax. Boy, that pastor, he sure is awesome. Thank you, pride. Right? We fall all the time. This is so you, you can't say, well, you know, your life would go better. No, it's not about my life going better. It's about Jesus who did it all for me. Well, your life is going fantastically. Yeah, isn't it great? God's so kind to me. In every circumstance, I can proclaim the gospel. In every circumstance, I can proclaim the truth. But if the, the, the message is, come, be strong with us, then guess what? You're a liar because you're not strong enough. You never are. Okay. I want to make sure this morning you receive this wondrous news, this Wondrous to the dying and the suffering and the, and the afflicted and the sinner. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's so much to the strong and the well put together. But the reality is none of us are that strong or well put together. This is the turning point in my personal life as I had it pretty strong and well put together. And my testimony to you is it's a fraud. 
So the way we desire to walk, which is this golden ladder of our own efforts leading to God, is a dead end. Instead, we get reality, and it is better. Jesus Christ for us. So Jesus taught this too, and as we end, I just want to end with this parable that he, he taught. We won't read it all, but it's about Lazarus. You guys know Lazarus. I mean, I, I know you know he's a good friend of Jesus that he rose from the dead. Jesus called him forth out of the tomb. Lazarus did nothing except hear Jesus' word and come on out. In fact, if I was him, I probably wouldn't have wanted to. That's not the story. It's the parable where Jesus is talking about a man named Lazarus and a man that doesn't have a name, a rich man. And it's there in Luke 16. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's coming off talking about adultery and how we're such sinners. And, and he tells the story of this nameless man who'd had success and wealth and riches. And there's only this one other man, Lazarus, who had nothing. He had sores and he was poor. And, and boy, he was living like a dog in fact the dogs were coming up and it's it's kind of gross we're licking his sores like there's not a blessed man because that's how they thought in that day blessed people got blessed by god of course and cursed people got cursed by god and dogs looking at your sores are pretty much the epitome of getting cursed by god that that's the setup that jesus gives so so, so what he says the afflicted one by the mercy of god no statement of his goodness by the mercy of God nothing else just God's incredible mercy gets carried away to Abraham's bosom you know the promise of God to Abraham of good for for this unworthy nobody and this seemingly successful guy the one who did it well doesn't even have a name he's just far off and in torment because he because he trusted his riches his success his strength right the one who did it well, who earned and advanced and climbed, and he has torment, he says, I don't want torment. Send that guy over to give me a little water on his pinky. And Abraham says, no can do. See, your success doesn't qualify you for anything. Your wealth or your good things or your advancing, and, and you, you should hear Moses. You should hear the prophets. Remember their message? that the height of obedience that's needed to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love your neighbor like yourself, and then the testimony over and over in Israel, how you didn't do it. Where does that leave you? It can lead you to the gospel. If you say you're right, I don't do it. Have mercy on me, God. It's not what that guy says in Jesus' parable. Guy says, yeah, whatever. Would you go tell my brothers to watch out? One of my favorite writers says this about the story. As I have observed a number of times now, if the world could have been saved by successful living, it would have been, it would have been tidied up long ago. The world's woes are beyond repair by the world's successes. There are just too many failures and they come too thick for fast for any program, however energetic or well-funded. Therefore, when the gospel is proclaimed, it stays light years away from reliance on success or any other exercise of right-handed power. Instead, it relies resolutely on left-handed power, on the power that in a mystery works through failure, loss, and death. For Jesus came to raise the dead. 
He did not come to reward the rewardable, to improve the improvable, or to correct the correctable. He came simply to use the resurrection and the life to be the resurrection and the life because that's what he is, right? Of those who would take their stand on a death he can use instead of a life he can't. That's what Paul's talking about today. The hope that we have is in the mercy of God. This is the gospel of Jesus. It shines in our worst circumstances because it proclaims that in spite of them, God loves us. Just trust it, would you? God raises the dead like Lazarus. God gives mercy like with Lazarus. It's his glory. God doesn't glorify you, not in the way you're thinking. He glorifies himself. And we share in that glory. So when your life today isn't going as it ought in your own eyes, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope when you aren't as good as you think you should be, when others aren't as good as they should be towards you, when fairness seems far away, when you're the one who falls and fails, not the one who perseveres and conquers. Don't lose hope. Why? Because it's not about that. You have the best news ever, God's love for you, displayed on a cross as God died for you, resurrected from the dead as he rose, the promise of his lips that he's bringing you to. He's gone to prepare a place for you and me. This is not some generic love. The love of God in Christ is for us. It's real, and he's using us in our weakness and our nothingness, in our daily living, in our struggles, even to get my car to start in our weakness. He said this, Jesus did. He said that he was the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's true. Yes, you are weak, but he is strong and his arms have you forever. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this passage that you had Paul write. Thank you for the gospel. And Lord, we feel keenly by the power and beauty of your law, our inability. We see with our eyes our weakness. And yet we trust by this word that you have us, Lord. Help us to trust not just that you have us individually, but Lord, that you have us corporately. As we see our brothers and sisters, Lord, please help us not to judge wrongly, to impose to pull, help us to encourage, to proclaim the good news, to hold fast to our hope, to help each other not lose heart, Lord, that you would help us by your spirit to be a community that just stands on your gospel. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen.